1: Well, we reconvene here a mere six hours after we last left each other to talk about the rest of the NBA playoff picture. Is there a series that most intrigues you that you wanted to start with, Danny?
2: i would say a good place to start is rockets wolves i am very interested in in the way that series is going to play out and we talked about this a little bit last night but why i'm concerned about this series for the wolves who obviously should be thrilled they made it in despite jimmy you know after jimmy butler's injury and his in-process recovery but what houston does is they focus on the weak link they get the weak link involved in the primary action they get that guy on the player in question and then they attack and minnesota has has some strengths i think jimmy butler is a wonderful defender tosh gibson's a wonderful defender but the ruthlessness of houston's offensive attack and that is in their dna it is their it is their mo i think that is going to be very dangerous for minnesota
1: yeah and houston had the highest offensive rating of any team against another team in the season series 129 i'm sorry the second highest minnesota against cleveland was the highest at 130 that was per john shuman this morning so Minnesota has not in fact succeeded at stopping the Wolves and you'll recall of course that it was against Houston that Jimmy Butler sustained that meniscus injury and for Minnesota unlike a lot of teams they really seem to try to avoid switching even on small small pick and rolls they'll try to avoid switching that's what Tom Thibodeau believes in that's what he's believed in going all the way back to his days with the Bulls when he'd have to match up with LeBron James on some of those same types of plays and maybe the hope is that Thibodeau with a lot of time to coach these guys up against one specific opponent maybe he can get them there with the practice time in a way that they wouldn't be able to do against a normal team maybe a little bit more hope is that James Harden has not been shooting the three as well hasn't been hitting that step back as much after March 1st though for much of that time Harden has had the MVP sewn up and Houston has had the number one seed in the playoffs sewn up so they have not had as much urgency and for when Houston has the the ball Jimmy Butler you presume is going to get the assignment on Harden you might be concerned that oh that's going to kill his offense but they at least have plenty of other guys who can create shots on this team for him how do you think Minnesota is going to look against Houston switching defense
2: well I mean the weakness of a switching defense and we've seen this in various series over the last couple of years is against individually dominant offensive players and Minnesota has at least two of those guys and you know, if either Teague or Wiggins is feeling it, that number can can rise significantly from there and then Jamal Crawford. So the big question for me is not necessarily whether Minnesota can score. They've been more successful offensively this season than we expected, largely due to their personnel rising. It's whether they will give the right guys the ball, because what Houston can do is they can have a lot of kind of similarly capable players on somebody like Jimmy Butler. So will they do what Houston has accomplished largely this season? And, you know, for me, the guy who's going to have the advantage advantage the largest proportion of time is going to be carl anthony towns will they just get carl anthony towns the goddamn ball
1: yeah that's a one question to me for sure and you know towns is at his best you could say in pick and pop maybe even more so than he is uh as a, a post score that's going to get taken away and so presumably a lot of what they're going to want to do is pick and roll get the switch roll it down to carl anthony towns in the post but the other thing that i've been very impressed with in houston skin there's actually been two of them one is they've been playing this all year. Year. So lots of switching behind the play. Houston, of course, you know, they're going to be playing P.J. Tucker at the four. I think we'll see a lot of Tucker ending up on Towns. We might even see Tucker guard Towns in the primary matchup a lot. In fact, that wouldn't surprise me to see that. And then you would have Taj Gibb or, or uh, Capella guarding Taj Gibson, where he can be more active as a help defender, protecting the rib. Tucker, I think, is one of the guys you might like to see matching up against Towns. Doesn't have the height or length to challenge Towns is jumper but uh as a stout guy in the post who can avoid getting back down we haven't seen anybody really be that successful avoiding getting back down by towns but i think if anyone can do it it's tucker so that matchup i think is okay what happens though when you end up getting a james Harden on towns Harden has held up okay in the post but carl anthony towns is a different animal against than a lot of the guys that we'll see try to go at Harden. Who, I mean, Carlton Towns is a true center with a lot of post ability. And the second part, though, besides the, their ability to switch behind the play, which you could see a lot, right? You could see Capella switching on to Towns after the initial pick and roll gets Tucker off of him, if that's in fact the way they want to go when they have their starting lineup out there, is their ability to shrink the floor around any mismatches created by the switching.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And- I'm I'm excited to see how how Houston uh, how Houston can you, when they concentrate those forms of attacks and whether Minnesota has any counters. And before I forget about it, one other thing that I think is going to be important in this series, and this is more of a personal evaluation than anything else, I trust that D'Antoni will play his best players and deploy them in the right circumstances more than Tom Thibodeau will. Partially because I just trust Houston's talent more. You know the fact that they can go about eight deep and all eight of those guys are capable. A lot of them are actually two way players more so than minnesota's i think that they can make a lot of those lineups work and i don't know how much we're going to see i expect we'll still see a fair amount of the harden paul stagger so that will give houston an advantage yes Minnesota's going to play their starters a lot of minutes but the non-starters that play for them to me aren't as good as houston
1: that's certainly the case and jamal crawford you imagine that anytime he is on the floor they're going to hunt him uh with the, the what they like to do getting the worst player involved in pick and rolls he's a uh, Teague is another guy you think that they are probably going to go after to some degree as well on those rather more so than Carl Anthony Towns and while you're not necessarily going to get the switch they're so good at getting downhill I mean Harden is just so smart at attacking when you don't switch uh, especially early on in games when he's really feeling spry sometimes he'll uh, won't attack as hard late in games when he's kind of trying to run the clock down uh, but really uh, and I think Wigan and Butler can both do an okay job on James Harden and ISO I and mean, we could also see Chris Paul just try to go at Jeff Teague um, but if they're not going to switch anything then you can also just go at Carl Anthony Towns, Taj Gibson or uh, God forbid Gorgie Jang if he's uh, on the floor which you won't be for prefer- probably more than 10 minutes a game maybe even less than that uh, or Nemanja Bialica is another guy th- that they can tar- probably more than 10 minutes a game maybe even less than that uh, or Nemanja Bialica is another guy
2: yeah you and I have talked before especially on the Twitter NBA show about how the real test of a defense is not how many players can defend hard and capably it's how many players you have on the floor that cannot and that's exactly what concerns me about Minnesota
1: that makes perfect sense and so if it's Carl Towns he has not really been that good as a conventional pick and roll defender I actually wouldn't mind seeing him try and switch Uh, he's we've seen him be effective against some pretty good players in that role but you know I don't think Taj Gibson can keep up with Harden or Paul anymore maybe he could have three four years ago we saw him get torched by Jamal Murray last night so just not a lot of good options for Tom Thibodeau and maybe we could see although he tried this early in the season going with Jimmy Butler at the four to try and match up a little bit Towns at the five I'm not sure though then who, who you're adding as a perimeter player because if you go with Crawford now that's just another guy that can be a, attacked so I, I think very very little chance that the Wolves stop Houston and then on the other side of the ball you know the Wolves offense is a very very good offense and I expect them to score efficiently against Houston with Luka Bamute out he's going to miss at least the first round it doesn't really have a timetable for return they seem to think it's not as bad as it had been but uh, the first time when he missed a month but he's going to at least miss the the first uh, series and potentially the second I don't think they're going to need him in either of those two series but he is really they've not been able to defend nearly as well without him in the rotation so you know that's going to be more joe johnson that's going to compromise their defense quite a bit here so i do think minnesota's gonna be able to score but the problem is as good as their offense is they're going to be scoring two at a time and houston's gonna be scoring three at a time
2: yeah and i i think that ties in with uh, unless is there something else are you ready for predictions
1: well i, I think the other thing we should talk about uh, as we so often have is the issue of how are minnesota's shots going to be distributed uh another uh, Another thing that i think too i think towns could be successful against the switches but then is the spacing going to be there you know that's the question are they going to really load to him and minnesota won't have sufficient shooting we've seen minnesota again despite their efficiency you know they're a team that's going to take 23 point attempts a game and that's probably just not going to be enough to keep up with them another thing too is jeff teague historically in his time in both indiana and atlanta going against a calves switching scheme has really been unable to punish that they've laid way off of him they've dared him to shoot the three off the dribble and while he's matured into a decent spot-up shooter uh, he has never been able to make teams pay for going under on pick and roll uh, or for switching him and then kind of laying off with the big men and daring him to shoot so that's another little subplot that I will be watching here uh yeah let's go for predictions here it is your turn to go first
2: so if Mute were healthy I would feel much more confident in Rockets in five I like Minnesota's talent I just think Houston is a really bad matchup for them because of their specific strengths and weaknesses I am that makes me queasier because they Houston just doesn't have as many options and so and obviously Minnesota has enough talent to win multiple games in the series I could even see it going you know seven maybe outside chance Minnesota wins but I still feel like Houston in five is the most likely outcome that there'll be a couple of coin flip games and I just think Houston has better talent for those circumstances than Minnesota and we saw Minnesota's offense break down a little bit last night and if you do that against Houston I think it just won't work out as well as it did against Denver
1: if Luke were healthy uh, although I do think we talked about this during the regular season that I probably would have been annoyed with them playing Joe Johnson or even Ariza too much over Luke. Uh, but if Luke were healthy, I'd be picking this as a sweep. I'll probably go Houston in five as well, but it's still a toss-up between Houston sweep and Houston in five. I would be very surprised if this went to six games. I, I'm uh, And I, I felt bad just going for Houston sweep just to be different than you. So I will go Houston in five want to try and get a better feel for how these guys look in the playoffs minnesota is a really good team it, it just it sucks for them i think I, I would in a lot of these series i might have even considered favoring the wolves but this is just the one matchup they lost the tiebreaker against san antonio that's what ended up killing them that's how san antonio uh 47 wins playing golden state i, I mean i i don't know what i would have done if they had played golden state i would have picked that to be a very very close series i guess i still pick golden state to win in seven but i, I don't and expect it to be as close of a seven but minnesota i mean they just they have no chance of stopping houston right now and uh, i think that Houston's switching defense is they are well positioned to take advantage of the lack of shooting that minnesota has and minnesota is going to score really well but just not quite well enough and uh, i think that houston is going to put up just an absolutely monster offensive series so i will go houston in five as well where would you like to go next?
2: I was thinking the the series that interests me the most is Thunder Jazz, and uh it is Thunder as the as the higher seed. there are sorry, as the host seed. I guess is a better way to put it. And I'm just fascinated by these two teams playing each other. And I'll let you talk first because I'll I'll say my theory. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is going to be a fascinating series for a couple of reasons. Number one, Rudy Gobert against Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is going to be able to get to the mid range jump shot if he tries. Tries to go all the way to the rim not sure if that's going to work although certainly you're going to see a lot of this I and mean, this is the perfect team to try this against Stephen Adams screening his own man and then Russ trying to get to the rim Quinn Snyder certainly is going to try to have Rudy as ready for that as you can be but it just it's very interesting because that's something that Adams excels at and it's uh it goes against a lot of the instincts to just try to come over and help defense and find yourself screened uh but I think a lot of this is going to come down to is Russell West going to get and hit the, the open mid-range jump shot uh, because Rudy Gobert is going to be there in drop coverage they certainly try and force OKC and, and any other team into those mid-range shots but Russ has shown that he can hit those sometimes and he certainly is going to shoot a lot I think we know that we saw that last year in the playoffs that he does have a little more firepower around him but now that he's not going for averaging a triple double I think he will see him be very aggressive and then on the other end Quinn Snyder arguably there offense in addition to the Warriors when Steph is healthy but he's not right now so I'd say of all the offenses in the playoffs that the Jazz just forced the defense to make more decisions and more reactions because they swing the ball from side to side they run the most pick and rolls of anyone in the league they keep trying to work widen the gap until they can get an open three-pointer or something at the rim and that's really going to challenge the defensive discipline of Oklahoma City guys like Mello guys like Russell Westbrook And are those guys going to be able to lock in every possession uh, to not make mistakes? And I think that's going to be a big part of it. Corey Brewer, we don't know what his status is going to be. He sustained a sprained knee yesterday, although supposedly was not limping much. uh, He's supposed to maybe get an MRI. So we'll see whether he's going to play. And they actually need him, sad as that is to say. But he's another guy who can struggle sometimes with game plan discipline. So those are the two biggest things I'm going to be watching for on either end of the floor. But what sticks out to you here?
2: It is not quite... Quite as significant as the disparity in Minnesota versus their potential teams, but I think this is just a, a really rough matchup for the Thunder because you brought up consistency for Oklahoma City's defense. The word that I'm going to use is attention to detail. I think that's really because they just Utah creates not only so many decisions to make, but so many potential lapses, and that I think is biggest characteristic of Oklahoma City's flawed defenders are lapses. Like Wes, Russell Westbrook just loses his guy, and Utah especially because they make teams work through the whole shot clock. I think they'll just be able to find something at another point. Another big swing element in this series is that the Jazz get back on defense. And so, yeah, if Oklahoma City forces a turnover, then that could be a different story. But off of a defensive rebound, I don't think Oklahoma City is going to be able to get as much. That means they will play more in the half court, and they will certainly have their moments in the half court. You brought up Russell Westbrook's mid-range jump shot. That will, I think that will determine the ceiling for Oklahoma City in this series. But I, I I worry about the sustainability of Oklahoma City's offense, and then I have grave concerns about the sustainability of their defense.
1: That said, maybe not during the regular season, but I think Oklahoma City might have the two best players in the series. You, you can, and certainly what we've seen Paul George do in the playoffs the last couple of years, you might think that's true. Although, although he did have uh his was not as good last year in the playoffs as kind of his reputation would have indicated at times. He, he I think that Game Four in particular he was awful against uh any like air that potential tying three-pointer by like 20 feet uh in that game four against cleveland last year but overall george has been a special player in the playoffs um there isn't really that one guy for him to guard i guess maybe that would be donovan mitchell uh if he does guard mitchell that's really gonna be a great chess match of how are they gonna get mitchell open to get george off him george just will not be screened uh but you're probably better running paul george and pick and roll than you are trying to get him through off ball screens when he really can't be screened then um and also i think uh, okc having the home court is, is a big big deal we have seen this jazz team win on the road they won was it one five and seven last year against the clippers although the clippers home court advantage is not exactly what okc's is well yeah I the mean, th- clippers, this is gonna the clippers be a really were
2: healthier t- the, i'm sorry we're not yeah. as healthy as oklahoma city that's the way i meant to say it. there were some there were some structural issues that led to that series having some and weird home road splits but you're right home court will be significant for for both of these teams and i one of the uh, i think this is the series where i have this feeling like utah wins one of the first two i'm gonna feel a lot better about my prediction than if they don't just because that could oh, play oh, a oh that,
1: that's what a prediction there that in situations where 94 percent of teams win when they win the first two games at home that you would <laughs> but, but just, uh you just, would just... feel better about okc's chances <laughs> <laughs> really going out on a limb there yeah that, that's true but 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 i think that i I mean it is it, that I, and sorry because people do this all the time it, it's not even necessarily but just in general people are like oh yeah you know the series doesn't start until you know the road team loses the game well uh in the case of when the home team wins the first two i mean a now, now there's a little bit of a difference there because a lot of, of those series when the home team wins the first two it's like you know the 1-8 series or something and the home team is just so much better anyway so there's a little bit of selection bias in that stat you know if the team's like it's in that the teams aren't equal as opposed to like oh the teams are equal and this team won the first two at home so you know i would give the jazz a better chance even if they lose the first two than six percent in the series but nonetheless i mean if you don't win one of those first two games as the road team like you're probably screwed
2: yeah that's true i'm gonna be very uh, but but anyway
1: yeah sorry sorry i interrupted your yeah. point so where were you that's going okay
2: I'll, i think i'm gonna pivot a little bit to it but i want to see with oklahoma city they're basically everybody other than patterson to a point that comes off their and felton i guess who comes off their bench I'm not sure a who they're going to use and how successful they're going to be and with Utah that team just executes. and I think that they will go after not you know not as zealously as some other teams but I think that those weak points will become more noticeable and I always worry about teams that have to spend a couple of games trying to figure out who they trust especially if Brewer has to miss any time because that those adjustment and evaluation games can like all it's going to really take I think is is one for for Utah at the beginning of that to to get to get an advantage. That said, I mean, you're right, the two best players in this series could absolutely be Enoch you know, on on the Thunder on a game to game basis. I mean, we could see Rudy have some big games, we could see a series of different guys, but I mean Paul George has been a monster in the playoffs at the moment. So yeah, this is this is a series that I, I, I have a feel on it, but I am openly acknowledging that my feel is it's one it, there's there's kind of a parallel here, incidentally, to a series Paul George was in where, like that that Indiana Toronto series a couple of years ago, where it's like, okay i think i know where this is gonna go but i'm not so so wedded to, to being right on it it's not like it's not like let's say the last one where i think i have a good idea so um i think one thing i want to ask you is just when this when these games would because there's certainly going to be some when these games get close who do you think has the advantage
1: yeah well we know the jazz donovan mitchell 41 percent usage in the clutch russell westbrook uh in the 40s so it was like 60 percent last year and then assisted on every other bucket um i do think that i would slightly favor okc but i you know i'm not really that sure about that um i mean again i think it's so much is going to come down to does russell westbrook's jump shot go in when it does he's awesome in the clutch when it doesn't he shoots his team right out of it and i do think he's going to be able to get open um how much they're going to go to paul george will be an interesting one and then another thing too when the the jazz have the ball which we haven't talked about much yet because you know you've got those two superstars going against the jazz defense and that's the matchup but when the jazz have the ball that in some i mean i expect okc is going to score you know okay i don't think it's going to be amazing you know they'll probably be like you know 105 points per 100 something like that uh but when the jazz have the ball they are a really variable offensive team are their three-pointers going to go down they generally do a good job of getting those up are they going to go in that's i I mean i think if you had to give me one stat i mean this is true of course uh, of many many matchups and many many games but if you could tell me what the jazz three-point percentage is going to be for the series you know i feel like i'd have a pretty good idea of, of who is going to win it uh and then the the jazz OKC okay, they've got mellow you know that he is not a good defender at all uh alex sabrinas might have to get some time if brewer is out now are are the jazz really going to go after you know it's not really their style to just go after one guy in a high picket and roll a very set piece stayed offense but quinn snyder is especially in a playoff series I think we'll see a lot more stuff where within the flow of the offense, he's going to try and set it up eventually to go after someone like Melo stuff where you start with a pick and roll on one side, swing it to the other and you get a pick and roll with Melo's man, you know, that kind of stuff uh, to attack the rim. Um, uh, or get a three-pointer same thing with Russ. you know can you get him to fall asleep on the weak side uh although ricky rubio is not necessarily the guy uh, that is going to punish that so those are the things i'd like to see offensively i think the jazz those three-pointers are going to be there and then you know the paul george versus donovan mitchell matchup you have to imagine that's uh, what it's going to be they'll just put a smaller player on angles uh and paul george is not the guy you want to be going against especially because he's not going to have to carry the main offensive load Uh, uh, and OKC is probably not going to switch much, and we'll just see Paul George try to guard Donovan Mitchell. You know, I won't say one on one because there'll be a ton of screens involved, but that'll be really, really interesting to watch for me. Are, are we ready for predictions here? Oh, oh, I guess the last thing to note here too is the regular season series between these teams was over in December, and so really very little predictive value. Robertson, guys like uh, Gobert was out, I think, for at least two or three of the four games, so very little predictive value here uh in the regular season series but it is my turn to go first on predictions well right? there's
2: one quick thing I want to say I want to see how Utah okay. uses Derek Favors and whether he closes games I think they're going to close for four out that they're going to have Crowder and Ingles yeah and they will that they will so then that makes life a little bit you could say it makes life a little harder for Melo because I think they'll be using him less as on post-ups because you would see you could see certain teams just be like "Ooh, we have Derek Favors on Melo, let's just post him up all the time it feels like something Denver would have done last night but uh I, I I think that Utah is going to that that might actually lead to them taking some good advantage of it. But yeah, it is your turn.
1: I'm going to go OKC and seven. I think the home court. I think they're just the superstars. This is going to be a great chance for Rudy Gobert to try and prove that. You know what? Hey, having a guy like him that maybe you know he is a top 10 type of player with what he can do defensively maybe they can just completely lock the thunder down in this series it's not exactly you know when we've talked about gobert before when i had david lock on and we talked about the top 10 players this isn't quite the test i would have liked to have seen from him because you know really the test to me is great shooters who can come off the pick and roll and shoot that three can they shut that guy down but uh, still a very good test westbrook has hurt gobert at times in the past they've also been able to stop westbrook at times in the past but i think the home court and just two superstars against you know one star slash superstar you'll know, we'll see hopefully get a better idea of where Gobert is uh in in this and even if they aren't going to have cory brewer i just think that uh, you also look at where if okc can play russell westbrook more minutes now than they do in the regular season they've still uh been so much better with him on the floor with that westbrook centric attack so i will begrudgingly go with okc i probably would have gone with utah if they had home court but they do not yeah,
2: I'm really torn in this series just because I can appreciate a lot of what OKC does well, and the theory of them winning the series yeah. is very easy. It's very Come on easy blog to say. boy, but blog boy,
1: go with Utah. You oh know no, you want it's to. Jazz
2: and Six. <laughs> yeah, Jazz and <at> Six. <laughs> yes, I I think that they match up well. I think that they will be able to attack. We haven't seen Quinn Snyder in this kind of a playoff series. You know that Clippers one was very it was very weird and, and disjointed, and so was the Warriors one due to injuries. I think this is closer to kind of a full strength idea of what we can see with Quinn Snyder as a playoff coach I'm excited for that I think it'll be it'll be interesting and the Brewer injury I think makes me it steals my resolve a little bit on this just because they don't trust any of the other guys so if he if he is not only n- unable to play I've, obviously that's massively significant but if let's say he's 85% that creates problems for Billy Donovan it creates problem for, for everybody else so it's amazing that a buyout candidate that you and I both didn't particularly like has become that important to Oklahoma City but them's the breaks.
1: hey value over replacement player man um you know the reason i i didn't really even articulate it is i kind of did but it just feels to me that the history of these oh man how the hell are they doing it in the regular season teams And, and not necessarily like surprise teams but just teams where you look at them and they're like hey you know what they don't really have like a traditional offensive superstar how do they win games in the regular season oh they just do it with such great team play and execution and blah blah it just seems like those teams. Like don't seem to do that well in the playoffs, you know. It really is a superstar-driven league, especially when you get into the playoffs. Especially when you can get those guys more minutes, and so part of my pick is based on the fact that you know Utah just doesn't have that traditional star power. Well, and you'll recall that we picked, but yeah.
2: I trust their defense. Yes, I right. really, really, really trust their defense.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's certainly a, a reasonable point to take, and you know that's why I picked it in seven. I don't think this is clear cut at all. uh Why don't you drive this ship to our our next port? What is our uh, next series is going to be?
2: Well, I think you could make an argument that it's the West, but I think we should we should go to the East at least once for now. And for me, the most interesting series out there is the 1-8 of Toronto versus Washington. A lot of this for me is just going to depend on when the Wizards kind of put it together and they have all this adjustment. John Wall didn't play and they had this weird loss to Orlando, which ended up being, to me, devastating because I think they would have rather played either of the other two teams that ended up in the two and the three. Washington, what I think is, is funny about this, we did our over-unders last. Last Week, the over under recap, these two teams had almost identical over unders because they, I believe, they had similar records last season. And then or, Toronto lost, they lost some talent in the offseason. Toronto, really, through their bench, through better offense, reached more towards the top. And the Wizards, through inconsistency, injury, all of those sorts of things, they faded out. So I, I'm sure there are some people who just completely believe that the Raptors' overhaul is is real. And I hope for, for their sakes, I hope they're right, just because that would be too tough. But I, I think that this could be like I think this is a more interesting series than people give it credit for because Washington has capability they have talent all over the floor Bradley Beal can be a good score and they've they're not going to be phased by this at all because their players have you know both these teams have been through plenty of battles even if they haven't been successful in all of those battles
1: yeah this is one uh, again Toronto I have been adamant that I will not trust them in the playoffs until Cal Lowry and DeMar DeRozan who for all this bench stuff for all this these great vibes those guys have still got to deliver and we have not seen that on a consistent basis this Wizards team is certainly a team that they are well matched up against to do that for once DeRozan not going against a team that has much of a stopper though we haven't seen him be that successful against Cleveland either and they haven't had a stopper. but you know I'm not sure who they put on him I guess it'll be Otto Porter you know they don't really have another guy that you know is going to punish Bradley Beal I don't see the Wizards doing necessarily a ton of switching here you know maybe we'll even see John Wall gets some time on DeRozan as well the injury situation for Washington Otto Porter had a mild right calf strain and missed the season finale you that is a little bit concerning he also missed half of the of Tuesday's game Cavs, yeah okay it's mild but you know that's the type of thing that you can aggregate very easily uh and it, it seems to be the type of thing that takes a couple of weeks to heal fully so if they don't have him they could be in big trouble do you trust Jaron to stop the Wizards.
2: Trust is a strong word for it. So no, I, I don't trust them, but I trust the Wizards to to a point stop themselves. I mean, I, I don't trust Washington's offense in that way. So I feel like it, it will there will be games when Washington can get to their spots a little bit more. I think this is gonna hinge a lot on kind of paralleling the OKC series a little bit, whether Wall and Beale can hit their mid-range jump shots, especially pull-ups. And I think they'll do that, you know, they'll do that sometimes, but not consistently enough to build a success successful offense around it and Toronto generally speaking I think that they'll do an okay job protecting the rim and if they can get back and transition one key element to watch here and I think it might be the the single thing I am most interested in this series because Toronto is facing an opponent that is less you know less exciting than some of the other ones could have been for just for intrigue perspective is how they use their bench how often they use it because I could very well see Toronto just basically sticking with their regular season rotation until it doesn't work and those. Those guys, the young, the young group with Siakam and Jakubertel jo- and DeLon and fev those guys play with such intensity that I could actually see them outplaying even some starter-heavy lineups for Washington because those starter-heavy lineups for Washington don't necessarily have a, they don't have that through point unless John Wall or Bradley Beal is really having a great game.
1: Yeah, and we know that uh, although they finally do have a backup in Sadaransky who, who can be effective uh, for Wall, and uh, so maybe they won't have to play Wall and Beal just so many minutes uh, they were totally gassed of course by the end of that series a year ago that said Washington has been a pretty average team this year part of that is missing Wall uh but they ranked 14th in offense and 15th in defense another interesting thing and and I think maybe we'll see John Wall with him back now Washington dropped to 15th in transition frequency again a lot of that was Wall missing time but even when he was out there he was not pushing the ball the way that he has in prior years And when you notice that Washington getting into the half court, you know, they're right about league average as well in half court efficiency. And Toronto is awesome in the half court. They're the fourth ranked offense in the half court this season, the third ranked offense overall Uh, Toronto with that bench unit, that bench unit loves to run as well. So I think transition for the Wizards starters and that Raptors reserve unit, that's going to be huge. Who can get into transition, who can force a few turnovers uh, in those situations. uh, And that's probably the number one thing is if they can keep John Wall out of transition I don't expect the Wizards to score particularly efficiently in the series I don't think they'll get shut down uh, mind you but I don't expect them to score particularly well Um, and then that Raptors bench if they can't get into transition and despite how good they have been this season they have not been as effective lately really since uh, I think it was Zach Lowe had this set that since February 1st they're more pretty average like plus three per 100 you know where and they were plus 20 before that and the Raptors just in general you know after I think they won like 16 or 17 straight or something like that or went like 17-1 I forgot what the run was they really have not been the same team uh but I think they are gonna have to win this series defensively because I still just don't see Lowry and DeRozan blowing up I, I don't think that the Toronto is gonna match their even against what's been a pretty average defense is going to match thing. Now, the last thing I can point to on this though is Washington feels like a team with this group has been around a while. All of the noise about John Wall, which the players, just because they had some initial success and they moved the ball more without Wall uh, when he was out, mass the fact that they still are better with Wall. But if the players themselves even think that they're better without Wall or they just like the way that they play better without Wall, uh, you, know, you don't hear the greatest things about their chemistry. So it could be one of these things where this is just an implosion series, similar to actually the way the Raptors ended up looking against Washington in 2015, ironically enough, uh, where it could just go totally out the window for Washington. So th- intangibly, you've got that going up against the Raptors. Their game one, losing at home every year. And uh, you know those intangibles of playoff ghosts for them. But it is your turn to make a prediction here, unless you have anything you wanted to add.
2: No, that's pretty much where it is for me. I mean, I- I'm interested in what kind of bench units Washington pulls out there but i'm gonna go i don't feel super confident in the number i feel confident in the outcome i'm gonna go raptors in five and i could easily see this going six but i think five is the most likely outcome for me
1: this is in theory a better raptors team they won 59 games Washington is looking like the last days of the Ottoman Empire here the sick old man of the Eastern Conference even though they're not that old.
2: Please tell me you're picking the Wizards.
1: No, I'm not going to pick the Wizards. I can't go that far, but I am going to go with the Toronto Raptors in 7 games because they just it's never easy for them.
2: <laughs> and they never even had Zaza Pachulia to say nothing easy.
1: <laughs> Wait, who right, is do that Toronto in 5?
2: Toronto in 5, you had them in Hawks? 7. Yeah, who is that Hawk series again?
1: But oh, is that when Petrullia said that yeah i don't remember it's too early it. i can't more, remember we're
2: delirious in the morning oh, when yeah, zaza, somebody...
1: when zaza was on the Hawks. yeah that was years ago uh it was years ago all right so i but, but i've got toronto in seven you've got toronto in five i mean this is picking a lot of seven game series here uh it's probably not going to go that way maybe i'm just like but there's just a lot of teams here that i'm just kind of not believing in right now even though i do think they're going to win the series it just doesn't it just doesn't feel like it's going to go easily for them Let's Let's turn to the series that most interests me in the Eastern Conference and that is Bucks Celtics and yeah you know the Celtics no Gordon Hayward no Kyrie Irving no Marcus Smart on talent I mean it's just insane how much more talent the Milwaukee Bucks have in this series Boston will have the home court they don't have the hope however of Kyrie Irving showing up in the next round to save them if they can get that far though maybe Smart could return he will not return uh by all accounts in this series and you just you 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 want to pick the Bucks so badly, and yet you know another one of these teams that you just cannot I, I can't trust them right now. So I I'm really torn on this series as of now. But let's see, let's try and break it down, and maybe that can lead me into my pick eventually. So
2: what I think is intriguing about this is the best player in the series is Giannis. I mean, you could argue that Giannis would be the best player in the series even if Boston were healthier. But without a healthy Boston, there isn't really much of an argument there. And what Boston. Has in terms of defending Giannis is not a single you know lockdown guy as much as Celtic Twitter yells at me that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are already lockdown guys. We'll, we'll get a better sense of that in another in another couple of days. But what I do like a lot about Boston against Giannis is that they have a lot of a lot of guys that are kind of good enough. It's more in line with what we talked about with Harden earlier. With Minnesota's problem being that they had a lot of bad fits, I think Boston has a lot of guys that are un- ne- not necessarily super inspiring but capable enough. And the reason that that becomes more impactful is be, is for me that Milwaukee doesn't have a lot at the center position to make opponents pay. And so you can also send a little bit of help often from that spot because Giannis, you know, he might try to make his jump shot happen, but that's not going to be how he beats you more and more often.
1: Yeah. And I do think in the clutch, you know, Bledsoe Middleton, they've played well in the clutch. Giannis doesn't get as much usage, but he does have a, a pretty decent numbers as a Bucks team that despite the reputation hasn't been bad in the clutch. Obviously, the Celtics have been solid, too. Certainly, you would have to say that the coaching matchup favors the Celtics here with Joe Prunty versus Brad Stevens. Uh, a lot of it comes down to, of course, whether the Boston Celtics are going to be able to score. Uh, this is the bad offense versus bad defense. However, the Bucs look a lot better when Giannis is on the floor. Uh, when he plays during the season, eh, 3.5 net rating, that's not amazing. But the defense is actually acceptable, uh, and it started actually getting better better again uh, as we've gone down the stretch of the season. Um of course when Giannis is off the floor, -5.6 net rating on the season, defense plummets to 111. Well, so Giannis could play a lot of minutes in this series. Uh they tried to get him healthy. They had that really weird last game of the season uh, against Philly. Don't know how hard they're really trying, although they did play their guys, you know, they could have just sat Giannis. Maybe they just wanted to get him some minutes. Uh but you know, they got completely blown out by 30 in the first 10 minutes of the game. I don't really could take too much away from that, so and they got the matchup that they wanted. That was the easiest. Offensively for the Bucks, the spacing is not really there, right? And I think Boston is going to exploit that. They're going to switch. They're going to make the Bucks beat them one on one, and then they're, they're going to pack the paint. Chris Middleton doesn't shoot a lot of threes. His three point shooting is down a little bit this year anyway. Eric Bledsoe, you want to fire away from three? Go ahead. They don't really have a stretch four option. Jabari Parker, another guy who hits the three okay, but doesn't really stand out. Out there, that often the Bucks centers have no shooting ability. Thad Maker, I don't expect him to play a ton in this series. And, and I think a lot of this is going to come down to how much they play Giannis at center because I think they really can get away with that against Boston. uh There are not like some post up option at center that they're worried about.
2: Well, and then you brought up the and the idea of how the Bucks have struggled with defensively without Giannis on the floor. And I think one of the other factors in that, of course, he didn't play most of the season because due to injury but Chicago product Jabari Parker has been truly abysmal defensively this season and he might actually be an exploitable piece to make Boston's offense look passable during those minutes and yeah I mean if Terry Rozier yeah. looks like he's going to be the starter so it, they're going to be relying on presumably Shane Larkin and some other unusual pieces but they'll at least have some points to attack and I, I think this is a, a a really fascinating series as it turns out for Al Horford I think one of the elements that you and I have both really appreciated about him as a Celtic in particular is his versatility. You know he's been providing value offensively, defensively, playing the five, playing the four, and sure, not having Kyrie out there is going to limit some of what he does offensively, just because Horford is better with a good foil. I think that's part of what you know a lot of times with big men that that really does help. So he has a chance to really show it. However, having that opportunity generally means there's downside risk as well, and we could see that too.
1: Another reason to believe in the Bucks a little bit more is both Malcolm. Brown- and matthew delvedova returned um not sure how great those guys were looking as of yet uh but when you don't have to play jason terry as much those guys aren't great three-point shooters but they're probably at least a little bit better than some of the guys that they were playing a little bit um you don't have to play sterling brown as much brown has been okay for a rookie but he's still a rookie maybe that helps to just not have as many weak links in your rotation and that also again gives you more ability to play Giannis at center now the numbers on Giannis. at center have not been great uh when he is at center they have a negative 8.5 net rating and 232 possessions um and cleaning the glass also lists jabari parker as a center over Giannis when those two play together or they they list parker as a a bigger player which i don't necessarily agree with but if you look at those numbers when parker is on there and Giannis is at center the differential is awful as well a negative 15.3 net rating in about 100 possessions so a full game's worth so Giannis at center is not Been the panacea that might have been hoped for. You know, some of those lineups featured Sterling Braun and Jason Terry, and uh, so not some of the players that we could expect to be out there necessarily. But Giannis at center hasn't been the panacea. I think they still need to try it just because their smalls are so much better and they just have to get some more spacing on the floor. I mean, you know, Tyler Zeller is going to get killed defensively. Henson, you know, can protect the rim a little bit. Um, And then the other reason that I like that, uh, especially if you have Brogdon out there, is being able to switch one through five and I think that can work really well against this Boston offense that runs a lot of actions relies on a lot of system type of plays to get guys open switching can take that away and you know they don't have Kyrie Irving, they don't have the dynamic one-on-one score so if you switch everything and just make them beat you over the top or make them beat you one-on-one it avoids a lot of these communication breakdowns as well that lead to open threes Boston really likes to get up threes so that's going to be a concern for this Bucks defense so that's another reason I would like to try Giannis at center even if you know the numbers have not been great on that this year
2: you bring up a good point in terms of personnel and it, it ties in with this idea of like who's going to beat you one-on-one and Jason Tatum I think could actually be a, a key in this series I really like his ability to create one-on-one against inferior opposition and, th- and that could certainly happen at moments in this series just depending on how aggressively and who he gets put on and all that kind of stuff so I- I'm excited to see it and to see those young guys I mean I think we talked about when Kyrie when the the renewed diagnosis came out about how there were some silver linings for this, and I think this actually ends up being a pretty solid series in terms of those yeah. silver linings, even if the Celtics end up losing it. Just those guys will get an opportunity to show it, and whether they whether they fly out of the nest or whether they fall plummet to the earth, will either piece of that will be valuable, and I, I'm excited to see it. And, like, this is a series I can imagine that there will be a lot of people who will not enjoy these games, but I think the two of us will absolutely
1: enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, so much of it is going to be- be whether Terry Rozier, Jalen Braun, and Jason Tatum are going to be able to create anything off the dribble. That like generally you'll see these series get smaller as you go through the series and get more basic from a strategic standpoint, and just you know going at the matchup, trusting your playmakers to make plays. And you know maybe this could be a coming out party for Tatum and Braun, who's played very well since the return from the concussion. Rozier shooting the ball well from three, uh, although you know not a guy who's going to play make get to the rim and finish as of now uh and then you know boston still is going to get those threes up they don't have a lot of great three-point shooters but they're going to get those up and are they going to go in another thing to look for here the bucks remain a poor defensive rebounding team i think especially at the beginning of games if they're going to start baines and horford baines could have an effect on the offensive glass we noted that he had those nine offensive rebounds in 20 minutes uh last night against the nets who are another kind of skinny guys at center bad defensive rebounding team like the bucks are um and then what is the lineup going to be for Brad Stevens to close games does he go Horford at center Marcus Morris he's another guy maybe who could give them just a little bit of ISO scoring as well Tatum Braun and then Rozier is that what they're going to close with do some more switching themselves does Baines get in there you know that's going to be an interesting question for the Celtics as well
2: yeah I'm glad you brought up Marcus Morris he was going to be a point that I wanted to bring up because he's very intriguing in this series on both ends of the floor because defensively he's his I consider his his best attribute to be his strength and that could actually work pretty well against yeah. the bucks in a couple I, I like him on Giannis I like, I like him on Giannis. Giannis I think he could do I think he could do a good job on Chris Middleton as well in certain circumstances like on a switch like Middleton will just try to back him down and he just won't get anywhere and he'll shoot that you know fade away from 22 feet that sort of thing I could see Morris being useful there yeah and just having more uh, more guys in that, fairness you know,
1: Middleton is Middleton is shooting like over 50 percent on mid-rangers this year though yeah sure. I, I don't like that matchup on Morris specifically
2: yeah i mean Morris has more length to to contest that so yeah i, I think there there it's it's just a, a an interesting series and i think it's gonna it could be one that changes as these teams adjust and i'm excited to see an interim head coach deal with it and, and Brad Stevens and you know i think it could be useful for Stevens this time to know what he has and generally speaking unless Marcus smart comes back in this series to know that those guys aren't limited because i think one of the elements that we didn't appreciate until a little bit later was what Isaiah Thomas he was dealing with last year, And I, I mean, Isaiah going as gamely as he did, and also, of course, the tragic death of his sister. I mean, there was a lot weighing on that Celtics team last year and them getting summarily trounced at the, at, the, at the end when they got to the Cavs is its own thing. But I, I'm in, excited to see kind of like with with Quinn Snyder. Like I think this is as crazy as it sounds. I think this is closest to what to an evaluate a fair evaluation of Brad Stevens as a coach as we've gotten so far. And I mean, it'll be another year or two until we fully get that for him as a playoff coach. But this, this could be a good little test to see what kind of wrinkles he can throw in, where, what lineups they want to do, what the closing thing they're going to be. I, I, I think there's a lot of nuance to this series and it'll be, you know, kind of an aficionado's one, but I'm going to love it.
1: Last point here. This is another series where Milwaukee, not a great team in the half court, but third in the NBA, 18.4% of their possessions in transition. And you know that Giannis in particular is unstoppable in transition. Jabari is great in transition as well can Boston keep Milwaukee out of transition that's going to be huge i don't trust this Milwaukee offense to score against Boston in the half court necessarily and then what is Jabari Parker's role going to be you know this will be his first time playing in the playoffs both of the seasons that they have made it in his career when he's actually been healthy at the end of the year uh he's been out uh with rehabbing a torn ACL so and we've seen what he's done to their defense i would if i'm Boston i would try to involve Jabari as much as I can you know I don't think he can stop Jason Tatum in particular if they can get that matchup at, at times get him switched on to a Terry Rozier maybe uh you know I think the Bucks. you know despite Jabari's looking pretty good from a scoring standpoint he has not been a positive player for them this year he breaks down their defense much more than you know if if he's not out there they've got Brogdon back now they've got Delhi. I would want to go more in that the direction of playing those guys playing Tony Snell uh and then just hope that Giannis can take you home to some degree that eric blood so i mean they've got enough shot middleton they've got enough shot creators on this team and jabari really opens the door defensively for them um it is your turn to go first
2: i believe it is yours but i'm happy to go first no
1: no if it's mine no cause I, I trust last you on this series
2: we picked was the last series we picked was raptors and i won raptors by first
1: yeah oh that's right okay i'm gonna pick the milwaukee bucks in seven games i just think Celtics it's gonna be a weird series yeah yeah this is a weird series it's a weird <laughs> team Ugh,
2: it's so hard
1: uh and and it would, be, and it would be so bucks for them to like i I mean i don't think they'll retain print maybe they would if they win the first round series but like to just not make the changes that they need to make with this team with this roster maybe even at head coach although it's, it's gonna be such a such a job that that's gonna have so much star power that you think they might just do it anyway even if they do win this series but you could totally see them much like you know the sixers in 2012 winning the first round series and then like using that as an excuse to not make the changes that need to be made and then you know the hit the franchise is further were like that would be so bucks uh but it, this was really tough i mean i really i don't want to believe in this bucks team they're another one of these teams i was like man i'm just so out of them but god like if the boston just could score at all i would feel so much better about things and it would it would not shock me if the celtics win uh but i am going to go with the bucks um so yeah all right that's two series that we differ on now this is fun
2: <laughs> well and and here so the reason i'm picking the celtics in seven this is a very strange piece of law but it has served me at various moments in the past, which is this. It's which way would I feel stupider if I got it wrong? And for me, it's like, okay, one team has an advantage of coach. I think they have some intri- intriguing versatility, all that kind of stuff. And I don't trust the Bucks, So it's like, so I'm sitting there going, I, I, I was imagining we podcast on like Thursday night of next week, me sitting there going, why did I pick the Bucks? Like, why did I do this? They're down 20 they didn't look, they looked too listless. Boston just out executes them. They're able to get back in transition, they're beasting on the offensive glass, things like that. And so generally, if I, if I have a feeling on that, what that what that speaks to me is saying, there's something that I'm not accounting for that I probably should be. And I think Milwaukee has a significant talent advantage. And I'm not factoring this into my decision, but we can call this a sub prediction. It is my feeling that Marcus Smart will play in this series. I, I think he'll play either in 6, 7, or both depending on how this works out. And I don't think he swings it. There are some interesting offensive challenges bringing Smart in, but it could be just an emotional lift. And You know who knows? Maybe Boston will really need that. So I do not feel good at all about picking Celtics in seven. But I think I would feel worse about picking Bucks in seven. So I'm going with Celtics.
1: Philly and Miami. Now the latest on Joel Embiid is that he is doubtful for Game One, but good in theory play. We saw him out on the floor shooting around. I mean, it seems like one of these things where he's just he's he has passed the concussion protocol. Joel said it's unlikely he'll play in Game One, but there's still a chance. This game is on Sunday, so that gives him. More of a chance to get there, but. I do still like Philly's matchup here, anyway. I mean, JJ Redick did sit out with lower back tightness, but uh in that last game against Milwaukee. But I mean, you know, Philly has won what sixteen straight here. uh Very difficult to pick against them. But I do think that Miami is a team that can cause them some problems offensively when Philly is on offense.
2: Yeah, I was going to say on that end of the floor, Miami can certainly do it, and I would say that's Miami's greatest strength is just getting teams, opponents out of sort in their own offense and josh richardson could end up being big in this series not by taking out the other team's primary ball handler because i don't think they'll put him on ben simmons but because he can defend jj reddick and largely take him out especially if reddick is dealing with the aforementioned uh back issue i i could yeah. see that and I, during during and, and we've
1: seen reddick we've seen reddick really struggle in the playoffs against clay thompson uh we've seen it mm-hmm. going way back to 2014 we've seen him really struggle uh last year against Utah they really were able to take him away and, and I think that's he's a guy who you can prepare for more in the playoffs just be hey we're not going to leave him at all and you know then if they can take him out he's been a huge part of why they've been able to sustain without Embiid so and, and Miami as you mentioned they just have so many of these long guys who compete uh, and then I think uh Justice Winslow has played some of the best defense that I've seen this year on Ben Simmons you know Simmons is not just an absolute blow by guy he's not a guy who's going to be able to rise up over Winslow you know a lot of it is strength Winslow can move his feet stay in front of him Uh, Simmons trying to post up Winslow did not go well in the games that I saw and then we've seen even Hassan Whiteside have some success against Joel Embiid and Joel you can't expect that he's going to be 100% coming off uh, that fractured eye
2: yeah I, I think the the amount of options that Miami has defensively makes this a very stressful series I think this is going to be the ugliest first round series in terms of the quality of basketball partially because each of these teams oh we has just a great talked about
1: end. Bucks. we just talked about bucks celtics <laughs> I, <laughs> I think this is going that? to be
2: an uglier series i think that i uh, because because that's what both yeah. of these teams don't to they, they yeah there there will be and so it'll be great for the twitter nba show keep it hashtag twitter nba show what follow <laughs> nate duncan nba on, on on periscope and on twitter and i think that it, it will be a little bit daunting in that way but what i like a lot I, this is going to be a great test for philly of kind of everybody else on their team dario sharic could be absolutely a huge swing factor in this if he can really deliver because they're going to need creation from somebody. They're get, it's going to be a team effort defensively. And Sharich is you know he's having a wonderful season. I think it, it has, has to be appreciated how important he has been to their success. And also even if Joel Embiid is not Joel Embiid, just having some sort of, at least early in the series, just ha- being able to apportion those minutes other other places I think will be valuable for Philadelphia. You know the idea of that an injury forces just puts more strain on your rotation i think that's important but we can also pivot to when miami has the ball and i think this is where i'm really concerned for the heat they just don't have that many dynamic creators on this squad and the sixers i think have a good collection of players to make a narrow team in terms of creators really work and they can just force other guys to beat them and i do not trust those other heat players to do that a whole heck of a lot
1: yeah you know Dwayne wade i could see him actually having somewhat of an effect in this Series. If they try to go at JJ Redick with him, you know, maybe he could actually be effective in the post that way. You know, how much is Spoke gonna play Wade? Is he gonna be closing games for this team? I would say that he probably shouldn't be. I think that he need to win this defensively, and Wade really is gonna compromise their defense. Although you know he has a history of playing better defensively in the playoffs during this last phase of his career. Uh, you know, the season series was two-two. A lot of these were close. Uh finally, the the heat actually blew out the sixers was this the sixers last loss actually uh
2: it might have it, been it was right around that time
1: yeah march 8th uh so pretty close and that was the game where Whiteside had 26 points at 9 to 12 in the field it, he, and yeah. he even he even had two assists in that game danny uh so
2: i, I wonder how many threes yeah. most baits had that day
1: uh so much of this i think is going to come down to sharich and covington's ability to hit threes i think that they're really going to sell out to stop reddick i mean he that would only almost be my number one thing on the scouting report and then the other thing for the heat is keeping the Sixers out of transition we talked about just how incredible Ben Simmons is as a grab-and-go guy the way he pushes the ball teams feel like they have to load him in transition he can find shooters he's always pushing it up even on on makes as you so enjoy so that's going to be a huge thing as well and Hassan Whiteside as in his transition defense he's going to probably be going to the offensive glass if he doesn't get it he's going to be behind the play that's going to give some opportunities i don't think this is going to be the ugliest series i think that's probably going to be golden state and san antonio in terms of just like the rock fight quality of it but and obviously boston and milwaukee could be like that too but i do see this one being a defensive struggle i mean these are two top five type defensive teams have a lot of of defensive talent and so you know if you are eric spolstra what are some of the strategic dilemmas that that you are going to have to work out here for the heat
2: well i think you know that a primary focus of your defense is going to be stopping Ben Simmons. But, you know, if they run those uh, snug pick and rolls with Simmons and Embiid that we really liked, especially early in the season, how are they going to handle that? When do they want to use Hassan Whiteside versus using Kelly Olenek versus using Bam Adebayo? Lots of really interesting uh, elements there. But I think the biggest part of of this whole thing is going to be even just a basic one. If you're putting Josh Richardson on JJ Redick, where is Goran Dragic going to play defensively? And how can Philly try to take advantage of that and like how, yeah, how are
1: Covington going to be to get help yeah you probably put yeah, him I on Covington might, I, I guess
2: maybe I mean I think Covington can just I think he'll have the confidence to shoot over him granted that might not that the might not necessarily be well suited but yeah I, I think that's going to be that's going to be particularly intriguing for me and then also what of their kind of support players Wayne Ellington is he going to close games how much is he going to play I think he unlocks more offensively but as you said earlier I think Miami if they're going to win this series they're going to win it defensively and so, then, how are they going to use that? Are the Ellington versus Wade and everything else?
1: This really is the perfect matchup for Hassan Whiteside. You, you don't know how healthy he is uh with that hip injury. You know, he, he didn't close their game the other day against Toronto. Dragic actually missed that with some knee soreness, but he says he's going to be okay. But that's still something to monitor as well. But defensively, Hassan Whiteside, what is his weakness? Defending in pick and roll? Well, Philly basically has no one who runs a traditional pick and roll. They run the fewest pick and rolls in the league. Joel Embiid is not the shooter this year that he was last year uh, to draw Whiteside out of the paint. And again, we'll see what Embiid's health level is and then how much they're really going to want to go to him. They found this way of playing with him out. That's been so successful too. So that's obviously a huge question mark. Uh, the other thing for Spolstra, you know, is just who's going to play at shooting guard. Is it going to be Wade? Is it going to be Wayne Ellington who I think they're just going to have to play to get some shooting on the floor. We know Josh Richardson is going to be out there. Uh, uh, James Johnson or Justice Winslow, hard to play both of those guys at the same time as well. And definitely, you know, Justice Winslow and Wade together, that's tough to play those guys together. Where does Tyler Johnson fit in? Is he going to play the two? Is he just going to be a backup point guard to Dragic? That's a question. And then Kelly Olynyk, they desperately need his shooting to open the floor for some of these other guys. But this, as we said, this is a good series for Whiteside. And, you know, Olynyk, I, I think is a good fit. Is Bam Adebayo going to play at all? You know, maybe not. Uh, he's really m- more useful as a switch. Which guy that's not really that useful when Philly doesn't run a lot of pick and roll So I'd expect to see him minimize to some degree in this series. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many moving parts for this Miami team. And I think it's been, especially with Wade coming back, it's been a little bit of a struggle to get the right guys, get the right combinations out there for Spo. And hopefully he will be able to mix and match throughout the series uh, to find something here. But ultimately, Philly, even without Embiid, has just been so on fire. And yeah, that's been against a lot of tanking teams. They've had been shot out of a cannon they've been playing so much harder than the opposition this is also gonna be Brett Braun's playoff debut uh while he's been an amazing coach this year and has a lot of experience with San Antonio you know this is his first time in the big chair in a playoff series making the adjustments making playing at the end of games against uh, Eric Spolster who is uh extremely experienced going back to 2008 so uh you know there are some reasons to think that Miami can be pretty competitive in this series
2: yeah and I'll I'll just jump into my prediction that's why I'm going Sixers and Seven. I I think that it could be Six, and if if Embiid were starting the series healthy, I think that's where I would have gone. But Miami's going to make a lot of these games competitive defensively. I think the clutch execution is going to be important. And just, neither one of these teams, you know, Miami is such a weird mix, because some of their guys have a ton of playoff experience, other guys don't have as much. But I think that Philly, you know, they're they're just such neophytes. I think that's a little bit of a concern, just in terms of going this, and their coaches as well, of course. So I'm going to go Sixers and Seven, as it's a close call but that's where i'm going
1: this is yet another one of these series that uh, when it's a defensive rock fight as i expect this to be throughout large portions of the series what's the difference maker transition and philly with ben simmons markel Foltz has really pushed the pace as well they've been great when he's been out there uh and you know, i think he could be useful there though again the the lack of shooting from him is a concern uh So I do like Philly in this. I mean, they've just been so good. And unlike Utah, as we talked about, we know why they've been so good. They have a lot of talent, a lot of star talent. That's uh, been awesome. And especially if Embiid is healthy, I think you have to like them. I'm gonna go with Philly in six. I do think that the Heat can make this difficult, but ultimately when it comes down to it, Miami just won't be able to score enough against Philadelphia. This is a great, great defense, uh, especially once Embiid gets back that I just don't see. You know, the Heat will try to get up a lot of threes maybe in a couple of games they'll hit enough of them uh that they'll be able to play well i think their crowd will be into it uh as to the extent that a miami crowd can be but i think they, they like this team uh they like the underdog nature of this team so i'm uh, and philly's crowd is going to be going completely insane also so this should be a fun series from that standpoint but i'm going to go philly six here last series now new orleans and portland portland with the home court advantage in this three six matchup uh by virtue of of having one Last night, they're the three seed. And uh, I think the place to start here is with Damian Lillard. And what is New Orleans going to try to do to defend him? Uh, Certainly, it's an interesting matchup. Anthony Davis is capable of getting out on the floor. Portland wants to run pick and roll with Nurkic. That's their guy uh, to set a good screen, roll to the basket. But how they're going to try and and do that coverage, are they going to switch it all? Are they going to have AD get way up to the level of the screen? Screen? Are they going to have him drop back and say, hey, Drew Holiday, you get into Dame? Uh, are they even going to have Holiday guard Dame? Are they going to try and put him on CJ and erase CJ? Uh, all those very interesting questions for me. That is the, the key strategic point in this series, as far as I'm concerned.
2: I agree that that's the key strategic one. And there's another kind of cascading part of it, which is if the Blazers are good enough with Dame out there that you want to trap it, then I would put Drew Holiday on CJ and defend, maybe defend him single coverage and try to take CJ out as I like and, with Lil, and, and so that way, you're you're kind of mitigating in, in both directions, maybe trying to get CJ more in one-on-one. And while he certainly can create in those matchups, I actually think Drew Holiday could do a great job of getting into him. And maybe then, depending on if it's Rondo or Etuan or however they want to make it work, there are a lot of different directions. They could go with it. And yeah, on that end of the floor, I mean, the other just massive question for Portland offensively is, and this has been true for two years, I mean, the last two years now is what are they going to get from everyone else? Else. And Nurkic, I mean, that game against Houston was really eye-opening in terms of the way the aggressiveness and the speed with which he attacked switches and mismatches and everything like that. I think that is a necessary component of this from Portland's perspective. But Al Aminu, I mean, how many games have we seen in person, including for a lot of these, seen uh, the Portland's fortune swing on whether his jump shot is falling and whether he has confidence in it?
1: Yeah, that that's a really interesting question here. Uh, to me, uh, Evan Turner, of course, is another. He'll probably start. Uh, Uh, but will that allow them to get enough offense on the floor and then for New Orleans you know we've seen Anthony Davis start the last couple of games with Miritich up front is that going to continue Nurkic is kind of a big body um you could even maybe experiment you know this would be more of a Warriors kind of thing to do but you'll recall Alvin Gentry was on the Warriors in 2015 what if you experimented having Anthony Davis guard Evan Turner when he's out there and just say hey D you know we're gonna just not guard Turner you I mean he's not to the level Level that Tony Allen was in that Memphis series in 2015 with the Warriors, but say, hey, AD, you can just roam off of him, mess everything up at the rim, and you know we're gonna switch a lot of stuff other than that and force you to try and beat us one-on-one with AD behind helping. That could be a strategy they could try. I don't think they would do that, but it's something th- that occurred to me. Um, but I think for stats, the key strategic thing offensively is gonna be, you know Turner obviously gives them more defensively, not really a particular guy for him to guard you know maybe you could try putting him on drew holiday uh holiday would have the quickness advantage there and holiday has played exceedingly well but there isn't that one guy on the wing that you feel like turner needs to guard so maybe uh, and new orleans loves to go small as well they'll play each one more at the three a lot darius miller is not a a big guy so who you're worried about putting someone smaller on so i could see this series getting small very quickly more lineups with portland going with the as Napier rather than uh, Turner uh, to get some more scoring on the floor. And it could be maybe more of a small series, more of an offensive series, just because neither of these teams has anyone who scares you at the three where you have to have size at that position.
2: Yeah, this is another one of those uh, a phrase my my friend Arturo Goletti uses sometimes as styles makes fight and in terms of a playoff series. And that's part of the reason this one will be different is that neither one of them, like they both have a weakness at a specific place that you have to counter and I, I'm interested I think something Gentry is going to do again this is kind of paralleling time with Golden State I wouldn't be surprised if they start big but go away from it very quickly in games so like maybe like five minutes at the beginning of each half with Emeka Okafor or whoever and then just basically run away from it at that point just to give AD a little bit of a rest at the start of it but I love your idea with Turner I don't think having him guard that would actually be in some ways similar to what Davis did back when he was at Kentucky and I think that's the best defensive role I've ever seen him in and so I, I'm I'm a full supporter of it, I don't think we'll see it because that's, you know, there are certain things that are a little bit too far out of the box to, pred- to predict to happen, even though I think it would be effective. But we can turn to the other side of the ball. And I think in many ways, this is equally fascinating because I think part of what's challenging for me is I have a much clearer idea of what Portland wants to make New Orleans do, which is, you know, take shots from the mid range, contest at the rim, try to prevent lower the number of three pointers they take. I'm more sure of that than I am what New Orleans really wants, where they think their bread is going to be butter in a
1: series yeah and you would imagine that there's going to be uh, they'll be going under on rondo it, he, that's going to be fascinating of his playoff rondo going to show up i mean you remember he was awful all last year for the bulls and then he was great in those first two games and then he uh, was done uh with the that injury i can't remember whether it was his elbow or his hand i think it might have been both actually um so is he going to be able to make them pay for not guarding him you know in a playoff series that's going to be a big focus and then we noted how portland likes to take away the mid-range well ad one of the best pick and pop players one of the best mid-range players are they gonna have to change up a little bit uh, to take that away is he just gonna be so hot for mid-range or are they just w- willing to live with that yusuf Nurkic's foul trouble could be another issue as well uh is he gonna be able to keep up with davis he's got pretty quick feet but certainly a guy who can foul a lot you know you could see him trying to close out on ad ad trying to do that drive to his left where he shoots that floater going to his left and Nurkic committing some fouls uh that that certainly is something that could happen and you know then is it are they going to try and do Aminu I mean I, I definitely think that Aminu could probably do a little better job on AD than Nurkic just one-on-one but then if what in most of New Orleans lineups you're asking Nurkic to now guard Nikola Mirotić, and Mirotić's three-point shooting is, has come on lately it's been awful with uh the Pels most of the way you know he's a, a very very hit or miss player from three so uh, I think offensively his three-point shooting could be a a huge huge key for the Pels and another interesting thing to watch in this is offensive rebounding we've seen Nurkic play really well on the offensive glass at times when he's motivated this will really be his first chance in the playoffs because he had that uh, fracture last year only played a few minutes and and wasn't himself Uh, and New Orleans basically never ever goes to the offensive glass or last in the NBA in uh, percentage of possessions that they get an offensive rebound on Um, and poor Portland, you know, they're not amazingly high, but I think that that could be more of a focus here in the playoffs with Ed Davis, with Zach Collins uh, on that second unit and with uh, with Nurkic. So that might be a way for Portland to get an advantage, uh, especially because Portland does not ever run. They are last in the league in transition frequency. And when you combine that with the Pels never hitting the offensive glass and trying to get back, uh, other than Rondo's occasional forays that don't seem to work out that often, uh, you know, you would imagine that they're going to be able to force Portland to play in the half court most of the time
2: you brought up ed davis i don't think i generally speaking bench players are overstated in terms of their playoff impact and i agree with that in this case but i just think he's a hard guy to counter and i will be interested to see whether there are a game or two that he can just get those rebounds and giving up an offensive rebound is it's not only about giving the extra possession but it's also just so dispiriting for a team especially if you played good first shot defense and they can be emotional pivot points and i don't i don't completely trust Portland you know non-starter offense yet so that could end up you know being important in, in certain circumstances and i mean and from a coaching standpoint terry stotts i think he's done a pretty good job in the playoffs overall they have you know they haven't made it super far very often but i think a lot of that's they've been playing teams that are better than them i mean there's no shame in losing to the golden state warriors though it should be noted that i think they would have lost to the clippers if the clippers hadn't gotten as hurt as they so i think it's going to be and then gentry you know he's been in, been an assistant i i don't believe is this this is is this his first time or second? This is second because Monty coached when they when they made it correct when when they made it back in uh twenty thirteen in twenty fifteen or was that Gentry?
1: So no, Ma- Monty Williams was the coach at that point. He got fired and they brought in Gentry after they lost because remember they lost to the Warriors in the first round when Gentry was on the Warriors and, and Gentry does have playoff experience though. um You know, going way back in his career and then obviously twenty ten with the Suns, uh, he made it to the West Finals, so he definitely has experience I think he's done a, a nice job this year Chris Finch has, has uh been useful for them offensively I and mean, this is going to be we're going to see some nice offensive stuff in this series between Stats Gentry Finch they've got a, a lot of uh fun sets that we could see them run Mo Harkless his health a, a key here March 28th is when it was announced he would be out 2 to 3 weeks uh obviously we are past the 2 week point now it, he could potentially return as soon as the middle of next week so that's looking more like a three-week timetable we'll see again you know uh, how effective can he be coming back from a knee surgery coming back from a knee surgery that quickly we are of course always skeptical of that and his shooting while he was really hitting uh right when he went down you know is he going to be able to hit there uh coming in off of that layoff even if he does return in the middle of the series can he get back into shape you know it's hard to expect that they'll get much of a contribution from him even if he is able to return he's probably on a minute's limit i doubt they start him so I, i i do think it's gonna to have to be evan turner it's gonna to have to be napier they've even uh gotten some minutes out of wade baldwin who's been uh added a little bit of a different look defensively pressuring the ball although he doesn't do much uh, on offense they converted him from a, a two-way player earlier in the season after he was cut by memphis so a, a lot of uh moving pieces here for portland and you just wonder whether they can get enough offense and whether you know damon cj are really going to be able to carry them home um anything else you want to talk about here before we look at predictions
2: I, I i think just who you talked about kind of who, how portland resolves their rotational issues but how much gentry trusts Nikola miritich who they who they end up doing what solomon hill's role is in all this shake diallo i mean he's had some n- real nice moments a little bit but he could also be marginalized just as playoff series get smaller something we're all familiar with but i mean i think this this might be the series that i, I that in terms of quality of play will be in our enjoyability of play will be the most will be the highest in this year in this first round series there will of course be some later round ones that we like better so I'm looking forward to that uh I I I think the way to start with predictions is this this is the series that I am the least sure about not only in terms of winner but also in terms of duration
1: yeah you know I I could see it going either way I mean New Orleans doesn't feel like they're as good as Portland they just haven't been in the playoffs but they do have what I think people would say is consensus the best player I mean and if you look at the surrounding talent if you take out Lillard and you take out Anthony Davis you know I think New Orleans still matches up reasonably well here um, in terms of just the overall talent on the floor CJ would probably have to be the second best player but I think Drew you know when you throw in Drew's two-way contributions those two guys have been pretty close this year has been a little bit of a down year from CJ compared to last year and then Harkless is out you know if you had I mean, Portland when they were winning all those games uh, and they had Harkless you know I, I think I would pick them to win this series relatively handily now you know I'm not sure which of these teams is better New Orleans has been playing better of late and I think I think I ultimately will default to Portland in seven due to the home court. I, Portland is really, really difficult to beat at home. So uh, that's the direction I'm going here. But, you know, I could very, I could even see, you know, New Orleans winning this in six very easily.
2: I could, yeah, I, I could eat six. Yeah. Five would probably be pushing it a little bit unless something structural changes. And I mean, I think they will really miss Harkless. If, if, if I knew he would even be 100% by like game three, then I would, I would be more comfortable picking the Blazers. I'm still uncomfortably picking the Blazers in seven like you are, and home court will be significant here. And also just, I think, I, I don't know, I think I have a bigger sense of how Portland is going to do this, you know, like how they're going to run their offense and everything else like that. And for New Orleans, there are certain wrinkles, certain elements of this that they could throw in that I think would be very hard for Portland to handle. But I am not as confident just because we haven't seen it. You know, Chris Finch, this is the first playoff series he has been in as an assistant there. Davis, his only playoff series was that, you know, four games against the Warriors, when I think played very well overall. It was just that surrounding talent wasn't really good enough. So I absolutely could see New Orleans win the series. I mean, I think in terms of outcome, this is the closest to a coin flip that exists. But so kind of like you know, there are parallels with the Sixer series where a player that I think is very important isn't healthy, I, I'm gonna go Blazers up.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I think is this the only one we agree on?
2: Uh no, I think we agreed on Cavs in Five, and then I think we agreed on um there was I think one other one maybe, but it's it's close. I mean, and and I I'm excited about that part of this. I think a lot of these series aren't going to be super you know, they're going to be more in the rock fight realm, but at least they're close rock fights and that's a little bit more fun.
1: Yeah, and I will say that I have a much worse feel. I mean, you can tell, I think when you pick a series to be four or five games or even six, you feel pretty confident about what the result is going to be. But just with all the injuries right now, a lot of teams with different looks that haven't been in the playoffs, you really just don't know what to expect from so many of these teams. And that's why this is going to be a fun playoffs you know i mean i, I still looks like cleveland is a big favorite in the east and, and golden state things worked out well enough for them that i expect them to get there uh to the west finals against houston you know if steph can come back for round two and maybe even if he can't you know if he can come back middle of round two so i think a lot of this stuff in the beginning you know and, and then who that second uh because now with toronto and cleveland on the same side of the bracket you know who the hell is going to come out of that two seven side you know is it going to be philly it be milwaukee i mean it could be miami i mean there's just like you know philly certainly looks like the favorite there but uh you know with their injury issues you you can't say that that's uh necessarily a given so like that side of the east is gonna be fascinating we're gonna have a total surprise team in the eastern conference finals based on how this is working out so it's gonna be an awesome playoffs can't wait to get started and uh we know a little bit more about the schedule now than we did when we recorded last night on on saturday we will definitely be doing Twitter NBA show we will not do the Warriors game but I think our main game that day will be Miami and Philly and we'll probably do the end of Washington and Toronto as well if it's close for the Twitter NBA show so check that out if you're not familiar basically Danny and I do play by play and you sync up with us we got a little clock in the corner so you can sync up your DVR Uh, we got instructions that eh, sometimes work on how to pause the stream if you're a streamer and we're ahead of you Uh, but and then we take questions during commercials so that's really fun we're really trying to build that up going to try and do it as many nights as we can mentally stand. And then the next day as well, uh, we're definitely gonna do the Indiana Cleveland game, but we might even check in on all the games uh because that's Sunday. That man, that all the best matchups, it seems like are, are on that Sunday. So can't wait to get started there and uh looking forward to spending these playoffs with y'all. Talk to y'all then. Looking forward to spending these playoffs with y'all, Talk to y'all then.
0: At bet 365, we don't do ordinary, we believe that every sport should be epic.